Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The ultimate pro basketball preview, presented by Odyssey and Locked On Podcast Network. On the rise. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network. This six-episode series will answer all of your lingering questions about the upcoming NBA season. Each episode will feature a Lockdown NBA roundtable with local experts covering their teams daily on their own YouTube channels and podcast feeds. And we'll hear from our Nothing But Bets segment where Lockdown Bets host, your boy Q, will join me to talk about the betting angles for all of these teams. We'll also hear from NBA experts like Trista Crick from the Heat Check podcast from Odyssey. Our fantasy expert, Josh Lloyd of the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball podcast will be joining us. And the voice of NBA draft analysis and Lockdown NBA big board host, Rafael Barlow, will join us a little bit later to talk about the players that some of these teams will be tanking for. I'm your host, Nick Engstead, daily host of the Lockdown NBA and Mavericks podcast. But for this series, I'll be your host as we visit with over 30 different experts as you get ready for the NBA season ahead. Today, we're visiting with the teams on the rise, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Memphis Grizzlies, Minnesota Timberwolves, New Orleans Pelicans, and Toronto Raptors. The Cavs trading for Donovan Mitchell may have the best case of this first group to win a title, but each of our experts will make their own case. But first, which player addition or return is the most interesting? To kick us all off, here's Trista Crick from Odyssey's Heat Check podcast with her breakdown of the biggest addition. It's a tough one, right? Because you look at Gobert, you look at Mitchell, and you look at Zion returning, and they all have their own unique little wrinkles. To me, the Gobert ad is the most fascinating because that shows really that Minnesota's committed to Carl Anthony Towns being himself, not doing something that he's not good at, right? Be a three-point machine, do your weak side blocking, allowing him to be the offensive threat that we know that he can be at all times without having to be the sole rim protector. And then Rudy, no, no doubt, is going to be able to anchor this defense. Hopefully Ant and D'Lo are going to get him some lobs because we know Donovan Mitchell never did when he was in Utah. Will teams, though, the question for me is, will teams look to go small and run Rudy Gobert off the floor like the Clippers did when they went five out in the playoffs two years ago. Minnesota, to me, is so close to being so good as as long as they remain flexible with their roster depending on who the matchup is, i.e. maybe benching Rudy Gobert if you have to in the playoffs. Zion, of course, very interesting for the same sort of reasons, right? How do B.I. and Zion work together on the court at the same time? We know that B.I. had issues with Zion. Not like from a personal standpoint, but just from a basketball standpoint. They both need the ball. Same sort of situation as Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy in terms of like, how does it fit? I'm very intrigued about that. That's been an issue. He definitely looks dominant. I know offensively Zion's going to be great, but we know another issue for him was, does he get back on defense? This team was anchored by its defensive prowess last year, why they gave the Phoenix Suns fits. How does Zion change that if he's maybe a little lazy getting back? Right? How does that change the identity of New Orleans and what they built with while he was gone uh, in Oregon and back with the team and rehabbing? Like that's something really interesting moving forward, and and something that I think is a real sort of potential hiccup. All right, welcome back. The Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. We are the Locked On Host. This is a roundtable we all host daily. 
five day a week podcasts and YouTube channels on our teams every single day, breaking down these teams. And joining me from blustery Toronto, Canada, we have Toronto. Damn it. <laughs> Should we restart? I almost want to. I almost want to keep it in. Uh, what the funniest thing about this is Ross is going to edit this. You put you you you. I don't know. You put me in too much pressure with the whole primer thing. You do, all you have to do is say your name. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm deferring right, blame. Let's for start me over. Ready? Sorry, Ross. Yep. Three, two. Welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. We are the Locked On NBA host. This is the Locked On Roundtable. We all host five-day-a-week podcasts and YouTube channels on our individual teams, breaking it down every single day. And joining me from beautiful Toronto, Canada, we have... Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors. Joining me from down in New Orleans, we have... Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans. All the way up, we the North... The other north we have from Minnesota. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's our sl- I don't think we can claim that slogan, but I'll take it. Ben Beacon, the host of Lockdown Wolves. I was just trying to get a rise out of Sean. And then joining me from Cleveland, Ohio, everyone's favorite destination spot. Uh, it's co-host of Locked On Cavs, Evan Damerell. How's everyone doing tonight? Oh, we're doing great. And this is the On The Rise teams. Everybody's feeling good about their teams. Got some big additions in some of these teams. We have some uh, teams that are bringing back in- injured players from last year that are coming back. Just some exciting stuff overall. And let's start with this. Which addition in this group is the most interesting? And maybe let's just start with the biggest addition. We'll start with Rudy Gobert, Ben. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves add Rudy Gobert. He's bigger. He's physically bigger than Donovan Mitchell, yes. Evan. So we'll <laughs> yes. start there. Um, is this the best? Is this the best addition that any team made over this offseason? I, I think so. Um, I mean, he's the only. I, I think, and I guess this this could start an argument right away. He's the only top twenty player, maybe top fifteen player, even um, that changed teams. So I, I think um, you know he obviously has to make a massive impact. He's a three time defensive player of the year. He's uh, you know a, a three time All Star, I believe, um, and you know the best rebounder in the league last season. The Wolves had their biggest issues were defensive rebounding and, and essentially rim protection and, you know, overall being able to, um, you know, consistently defend when they weren't playing in a crazy aggressive blitzing defensive scheme. And Rudy Gobert plugs all of those holes. Um, you know, I, I think that um, obviously offensively, um, I, I don't think much changes for the Wolves, actually. I think they run more pick and roll, but that's about it. I think he shores up the defense. He allows them to do some of the same stuff offensively, but obviously with, with a higher ceiling, you know, you're replacing essentially Jared Vanderbilt three to go bear. Um, but this team's going to go from what was already a decent defensive team at number 14 to almost certainly a top 10 defense. Um, and so I, I think that it takes the wolves from what, I mean, they ended up being the seven seed last year after winning the play in tournament and it's hard, you know, no other team can say that they added somebody who's a multi-time defensive player of the year, top 15 to 20 player to their existing core um, without really losing any other core pieces. Um, and, and so I, I think that has to be right at the top of the list. It's it's super interesting, right? And he, he, you said it earlier, Ben, he has to make a massive impact given all of the draft picks that they gave up. Because if this doesn't work out, that team's in a lot of trouble, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's a fun team with Chris Finch there that likes to get out and run and play fast. And you can almost play a little bit looser now when you have a defensive anchor down low like Rudy Gobert. You said rim protection. He's the best in the league at it. I don't know if it's the best move necessarily, but it's easily, to me, the most interesting. Yeah, and I, I feel... think... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I feel kind of crazy because it seems like 
the response to this trade was like negative by and large because of all the picks that were traded because everyone has pick brain because Sam Presti has ruined the NBA. Um, but like they traded, as you said, for arguably a top 20 player in the league, one of the best defensive players of the last 20 years or more. And they didn't give up anything from their main roster outside of Jared Vanderbilt to make it happen. Who cares about picks in 2029? Are we even going to be playing organized sports in oh. 2029, like <laughs> Patrick, we don't Be- know Patrick Beverly just said something <laughs> condescending to you, like in your direction, like yeah, just th- sure threw off did. his shirt, jumped on the scores table, and is like, <laughs> "F Sean Woodley, I hate that guy." Hey, Look, fair we, enough. We, we, I'm sure he's we, gonna have a great year in LA. <laughs> we've seen the we've seen the issues with Gobert in the playoffs, right? Like that's where the big concern about this is: can he get played on the off the yeah. court? You know, they they didn't bring him in to go from what were they just out of the play in tournament? They were se- uh, seven. They were in the play in yeah. tournament last year to not be in the play in tournament. They did this to try and potentially win a title, right? Going from seven yeah. to the three seed if you lose in the first round isn't going to really do much for you. And that's when those picks do matter, though. It, yeah, or did it, it, they do it to become? not the wolves of the last 15 years yes. and just be a relevant good cool basketball team that's yes. for a long time think, which they're going to be yes i think that that's something that can kind of get lost from the from the non-local perspective is that this is a team that in 34 years has advanced out of the first round of the playoffs exactly one time and it was in 2004 mm. so uh you know all the utah fans that are saying oh we've lost the second round i think the last four years and five out of the last six something like that never gotten past the second round with rudy i mean Second round sounds great. Like that sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Right. Um, And the crazy thing is that like um, sitting here right now, like if the wolves end up, say they come out of the gate like 10 and two or, you know, 20 and five or something, people are like, man, look at this move. Nationally, the the reaction is going to be, yeah, well, wait till the playoffs. Cause everybody, I think it's hard to argue. They're not going to be a really good regular season team. They added a top 20 player. Like they won 46 games last year. So they're going to win 50 plus games. They're going to be probably a top five, if not top three or four seed. But what happens in the playoffs? And and um, that's a nice problem for the Timberwolves to have. Evan, yeah. do you oh. think that do you think that the Timberwolves are the only team to add a top twenty player to their team this year? See, that's a little tricky. Um, you know, the Cavs did add one Donovan Mitchell to the fold. They and I agree with the argument with like, who cares about picks? I do think we have a bit of pick brain right now when it comes to just these trades, because if you're a team like the Timberwolves or if you're a team like the Cavs, and it depends on how you feel about Donovan Mitchell, I think he's a top 20 player, but people can fight me about it if they want to. But if in your heart of hearts, you believe this is a player you can go get, yeah, you go for it and you try and make that move. And at least in the Western Conference, in the Timberwolves case, like the, the Wolves are a young team that's on the rise. Like they could easily set themselves up nicely next to Dallas because I'm scratching Nick's ego a little bit here. But just to kind of really set themselves forward as like the top teams in the West. Well, when you're in Cleveland's case, the East has continually gotten better and the Cavs really had a rough shot of a season last year where they just kind of saw injuries hamstring a lot of things. You saw Darius Garland burn himself out and they made the power moves all power moves to get some defensive pressure off of Garland, but also just kind of keep them out of that playing conversation and maybe back into the playoff conversation. Is what the Cavs did with Donovan Mitchell the same or completely different than what the Timberwolves did? Because I think it's completely different in the way that they added him. Like they added to a team that that's that's rising and added a player mm-hmm. that's still rising too in Donovan Mitchell. Whereas Rudy Gobert was like a win now move because I don't know how much longer he's going to be at the apex where he is now. I agree with that argument, or I don't know if he's exactly going to be the apex, but I mean, if you look at Minnesota, they still are a young team that's up and coming. Like Anthony Edwards is going to be earning his stripes and could be one of the best players, if not the best player for the Wolves in time. But you're you're right. The Cavs 
really caught a lot of us by surprise, myself included, this last season. And Darius Garland's star is certainly rising quite a bit. Evan Mobley could be the best player on this team in two, three years' time. And mm. Donovan Mitchell still has some gas in the tank, clearly, because he kind of slots in nicely where he is the elder statesman of this core four, but he still slots in really nicely with this core four of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and now Donovan Mitchell, where these four can grow together and the Cavs have a bit of a runway because of Mitchell's contract to figure this out. But just in terms of upgrades, if you want to look at it like an apples to apples perspective, the Cavs made an offensive upgrade, but may take a step back defensively while Wolves made a considerable upgrade defensively by adding Gobert and probably will maintain the same discipline offensively as we talked about before. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it all folds out. I kind of love any both concern moves together. Sorry, Jake. I, I kind of love both moves together just because it is sort of a win for the idea of teams trying to win and maybe not prioritizing making a ring all that it's about. I know that's sacrilege to say, Rings. but there are 30 teams in the NBA a third of them have never even won a ring or maybe even less. Like it's really hard to do. And if you're building your entire ethos as a fan, your entire team building, you know, philosophy as a front office around, well, if we don't win a title or failures, you're setting yourself up to be extremely disappointed. Whereas these two teams decided, Hey, we have good players right now. Why don't we add more good players to that mix and figure out the rest later? I think it's awesome. And it leads to the situation we have now in the league where what are they, like 20 good teams? That's awesome. That's and like, more teams should be trying to win games. We also need to value like good regular season basketball as well. It's six months of our lives every year. And you, <laughs> and you just like hand wave it away. But like, well, those 82 games don't matter. Like how little do you value the time you're spending watching this stuff? Like it's fun to watch cool winning basketball. No, I absolutely agree. Like it, it, that's important. Like you yeah. make a really good point of like win games, make your fans happy and it's, it's entertainment. You know, Evan, I'm curious what you think about this, what you've talked about, how it's a young team, you know, they're on the rise. You have some real good young talent, Darius Garland, even Jared Allen to Evan Mobley. You know, do you worry this upends their kind of pecking order there or could like hold anyone back from reaching their full potential? Something like that. When you come in with a ball dominant guy like Donovan Mitchell. So it is an interesting argument. I think it's something you really have to watch as this season unfolds for the Cavs. I, I I tell our listeners because a lot of folks are like, oh, it's championship or bust for the Cavs. And you look at the front office and just the organization as a whole, they're saying like, no, it's it's going to be a process. You can look at a lot of teams in the past who formed these quote unquote super teams like the, the Heat. The Heatles are my example where Dwayne Wade, it took him a while to realize that like, he had to cede a little bit to LeBron where you're going to see some growing pains between Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland because they're both ball dominant players and they need to learn how to they have to learn how to play without the ball in their hands in order to succeed and i think i mean evan mobley and jared allen will definitely benefit from having those two especially if the Cavs go bombs away from three with those two shooting back there and it's just going to be more offensive rebound opportunities but i i think it'll iron itself out just because culturally this Cavs team feels like they're so strong that they can't fail at this point and they also believe that just they did a character evaluation, as they would call it, of Donovan Mitchell, and they think he fits into what they're trying to build culturally and just like will fit in nicely as not not a just like a you're getting a talent upgrade. Like clearly you are bringing an all star caliber player here in Donovan Mitchell. But at the same time, the Cavs have made a concerted effort still to say that this is Darius Garland's team and Donovan Mitchell is the star they brought in to accentuate him. 
It's interesting to hear that it's Darius Garland's team still when you said that Evan Mobley might be the best player in like two years, and then they brought in Donovan Mitchell, who's been the all-star multiple times. That's 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 going to be an interesting dynamic to figure out. Of these moves, though, and we'll bring in the Pelicans move, quote-unquote, of Zion Williamson coming back into the fold now with this new Pelicans team. Of these three moves, which ones do we think is going to be the easiest and most difficult like on either side of it to, to transition back to the court? Jake, we'll start with you. Kind of explain the Pelicans bringing Zion Williamson back and which one of these moves you think is going to be the easiest. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he stepped away from that. Didn't step away. He was injured all of last season. Limped. They integrate him. Yeah. Limped. <laughs> however you want to do it. it was, it was in a pool getting his cardio done, different things like that. A pool you know, of they bring him back in. It's, it's a guy that in 2021, his 20 year old season in the league was as dominant of an offensive players. We've seen this guy who shot 70% at the rim while getting double teamed on a nightly basis. It was pretty incredible to see from him. That guy's going to impact your win total. It's going to make an impact on the offense. He's played with Brandon Ingram before. They have good chemistry. Now he's got to learn how to play with CJ McCollum, but I think it's more CJ just needs to stand on the perimeter and shoot wide open spot up threes that he's going to get because if you're double teaming Zion, someone's going to be open. And when you even look at it from a math perspective, shooting 70% at the rim is the equivalent of like 45, 44% from three. Unless you have a dude that shoots 50% from three, they're going to double team Zion down low to prevent him from scoring so there's going to be open three-point shooters so I think he'll fit in very nicely with CJ McCollum and from what I've seen at training camp being there watching them scrimmage guy hasn't missed a step with any of them he's been the most dominant player in their training camp through the first week so far he looks like he's got years of chemistry still with Brandon Ingram CJ I think he integrates back seamlessly but there's still going to be kind of he hasn't played basketball in 500 days there's going to be an adjustment period there to get him back that there on the court but I think by the end of the season, you'll be like, oh, yeah, this guy is really, really good. It was worth that max deal they gave him in terms of like fit on the court. I, th- I think it's simple. I think it's Rudy Gobert. He doesn't need to do anything offensively on that team with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns there. He's just rim protecting and blocking shots and allowing those guys to play flying defense on the perimeter because you have an eraser down low. I think that does a lot for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I think he's kind of the most plug and play guy. Yeah, I agree. I, and I said this earlier, I don't think the offense changes a whole lot. The, the one question is how much is Rudy going to want the ball? And there's kind of this that it's been made known through the media in Minneapolis that like, you know, he still wants his touches. But like, I mean, the touches are still there. Like D'Angelo Russell's a phenomenal <laughs> pick and roll point guard. And he's he's going to still get Rudy Gobert the ball. It's just Jared Vanderbilt had terrible hands and couldn't catch lobs like he just was a non-factor offensively. Yeah, Rudy is way better at those. <laughs> Exactly. Rudy's the best in the league at at in terms of being a role man and, and just the gravity that he brings to the floor. So I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be a very similar offense. They'll play a lot. of You know, Carlton Towns will get more catch and shoot threes, I think, which is awesome because he actually his three point rate went down last season because teams were guarding him with fours. And so the Wolves answer they were guarding him with fours in the post. They were trapping him, doubling him. So Finch's answer was to play five out and essentially say, okay, now you have to guard him one-on-one in the perimeter. So Cat did a lot of pump fakes and drives, drew a lot of fouls, also committed a lot of offensive fouls. That's another another conversation. But um, that was the answer, and it worked really well. They had a great offense. Cat had a great year. He just shot less threes. So now you add the D'Lo, Rudy pick and roll, and Cat can play off the ball and get catch and shoot threes. And I haven't even mentioned Anthony Edwards yet. So um, as long as they can figure out the you know enough ball to go around, and Cat, D'Lo, and Ant all said the right things last year. Rudy's supposed to be the you know the grown up in the room, if you will, you know coming in thirty years old, been there, done that in terms of the playoffs, um, and, and should be able to fit in seamlessly. 
Um, and then defensively, yeah, it, it allows them to open up and, and do so many different things instead of strictly playing high, you know, high wall pick and roll coverage. They can play drop coverage now, which is what Rudy's great at. They can switch when he's off the floor. Like there's a whole laundry list of things they can do now that they couldn't do last season because of this of the security blanket that Rudy is on on defense. Sean Woodley, give the final answer. Which one's going to be the easiest to fold in on the court of these three additions? Well, it's Raptors new edition Otto Porter. You've forgotten about that. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> on no, par. I, I, I'm with I'm with them on saying it's it's Rudy Gobert. Like it just makes a lot of sense defensively. Like uh, of course, Chris Finch is the head coach of the Wolves. He's a former Raptors assistant. He carried a lot of the Raptors defensive principles over to Minnesota. And it's a stressful kind of defense to watch a team play. And you get out of position a lot. You give up open threes a lot. And the Wolves were forced to do that all last year just to compensate for the lack of a traditional rim protector or, you know, Jared Vanderbilt kind of doing his best. And now they don't have to do that. They can just play normal, chill, relaxed defense and couple that with, you know, stars that you can stagger really nicely with one another. Like, I like the idea of a Russell Gobert stagger group where you have Edwards and Towns together on the bench and they come back in together. You know, we kind of, I think, make it too cute when we think about, oh, is this really talented player going to fit with this team? Like, yeah, probably. And, and you know, over the course of a regular season, you get injuries, you get, you know, ups and downs, you get guys who have slumps or whatever. It's nice to have more talented players on hand. And I think, Gobert, as much as maybe the Towns Gobert duo, what's Towns going to be as a defensive four? Does it really matter if Rudy Gobert is cleaning up the messes behind him anyway? I, I think it's going to be an awesome fit. And I honestly think the Wolves stand a pretty good shot of being like a top three team in the regular season in the West. It's going to be fun to watch all these teams on the rise. Coming up, we're going to talk about which team is going to win an NBA title first among all these teams. We're looking into the future. Everybody's got a pretty good case, I think. Which one will do it first? We'll talk about that coming up. In our first five episodes, we'll hear from fantasy basketball expert Josh Lloyd for his fantasy basketball outlook. You can catch him Monday through Friday and more on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Here's Josh Lloyd's Fantasy Minute. Uh, for Cleveland, I think the arrival of Donovan Mitchell hurts both Mitchell and Darius Garland. Garland was basically unimpeded last season with Rubio and Sexton going down, playing huge minutes with massive usage and every assist opportunity. And he's not going to have that same thing happen this season. So be careful where you draft him. Also, a little bit be careful with uh, Evan Mobley. I think he's maybe getting... I love Evan Mobley as a player. I think he's maybe fantasy-wise getting pumped a little bit too high. For Memphis, the concern is how much... Does a healthy Dylan Brooks and healthy Jar Morant impact as Desmond Bain? Hopefully, Brooks is able to pull his head in and enable the better players to take those shots. And the one you look at late for the Grizzlies is, I think, Santi Aldama will begin the season as the starting power forward. So you can draft him with your last pick, start him early, and then drop him later on. Minnesota has to incorporate Rudy Gobert in there now. I think that is um, not great for Carl Anthony Towns, and I think it pushes him towards the very back end of the first round. Anthony Edwards should see a, uh, an increase in his usage, while Jalen McDaniels will get more minutes, but playing next to Towns and Gobert and Edwards and Russell, will McDaniels ever touch the ball enough to be super useful for fantasy? I, I have my doubts. I'm massively in on Zion this season for the Pelicans. Um, I think that really does hurt the value of Jonas Valanciunas, who will probably drop off a bit. Probably has an impact on Ingram and on CJ McCollum also. Trey Murphy's an interesting late-round guy there. Well, for the Raptors, I'm not as big on Gary Trent as others are. I think at some point you'll see some starts from Precious Achua, but Scotty Barnes takes a step forward. Siakam's going to be great. And I'm a little worried about Fred Van Vliet, just depending on how many minutes they do decide to play him. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Continuing on with the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we get to our next roundtable conversation with our Locked On local experts, here's Trista Crick of Odyssey's Heat Check Podcast with her thoughts on which of these teams on the rise will be the first to win an NBA title. I vacillated over this one. I really did. It just has to be, and I know they're taking a step this year, but this is a long-term question, right? It's got to be the Grizz. They're so deep. They took Golden State to the absolute brink, right? Jaw gets hurt, and they still end up winning a game. Many of those playoff moments were very much 50-50. I think John Morant getting injured obviously hurt them a lot. They've got a ton of picks already. They have a very deep team that they can trade assets. And if they wanted to go out and get a star, obviously Jaron Jackson being out this year hurts them. But I really do think that they are that team, like a very deep, very athletic team that has built organically for an identity that they have, much like the Pelicans as well. But I think that they're just maybe a step forward from the Pelicans, maybe a little bit early in terms of real contention. Cleveland, of course, is super interesting as well because they've got a lot of versatility. But I don't know necessarily how the two small guard lineup, two guards that don't play defense really works. I saw that. I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan. Dame, CJ, ask me how the heartbreak was. How does that work in Cleveland? I know they have defensive reinforcements, right? And I think that really helps. But if you're a mid-range jump shooter, you're going to be able to get by and cook Darius Garland and cook Donovan Mitchell, even though he says he can play defense. We'll see. And be able to get into that middle zone before the reinforcements really get there. So I don't know necessarily how far they can go, but I do think they're a super interesting team that's going to be able to compete night to night. Welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. It is the Odyssey Roundtable with the Locked On NBA hosts. We host podcasts every single day about our teams. And let's talk about these teams on the rise. Which one will win an NBA title first? There's a lot of teams with really, really good cases to be made over the next three, four, five years that one of them will win a title. We have some of the best players in the NBA. We have some really great additions, young players that are still rising. I don't know. Let's just start with this. Let's start with, with Evan Damaro. Who do you think has the best case of all these teams? So we got the Grizzlies, Cleveland Cavaliers, Minnesota Timberwolves, New Orleans Pelicans, Toronto Raptors. Which one is the best case to win a title first? I, I mean, I can make a case for the Cavs pretty easily. Like it all depends on Evan Mobley's trajectory. And obviously that it's really going to hinge on that. And the ankle sprain is a bummer at this point, but hopefully the Cavs can just get to the playoffs for the first time without LeBron since the 97, 98 season. And then we'll talk from there. But to be frank, I think it's the Grizzlies because they have the guy in John Morant and they just have so much overwhelming young depth and talent on that roster and a really good coaching situation, like from top to bottom and, and also an ownership group and in a front office that is fully committed to making a legitimate claim to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Like when I talked about Minnesota and Dallas before, I should have mentioned Memphis as well. So I think it's the Grizzlies at this point. But mm. like you said, you can make a compelling argument for any of the teams in this group, but it's just the Grizzlies have jaw. They have so many talented players on their roster, and they're only going to get better just because they're so young and up and coming. 
Can anyone make a better case for the Grizzlies or for or against the Cavs? I'll say it's tough. Like I I think the Grizzlies are the sort of chalk answer because they were the number two seed in the West last year and gave the Warriors trouble. But also I'm a little skeptical, A, on their chances this season. Jaron Jackson Jr. being out is a problem. They lose DeAnthony Melton, which was a weird deal, and I don't know why they did that, really. Uh, And John Morant, as incredible as he is, is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. It's kind of Trey Young syndrome a little bit there. And I think the Grizzlies are still missing a wing piece of some kind. Maybe it's Zaire Williams. Maybe he becomes that guy in the next couple of years. But I don't know if they have all the pieces on hand to win a title. Whereas I think all these other teams kind of do. Like, I think whatever the eventual, you know, final form of the Cavs is with Evan Mobley at his peak, like the four guys they have in tow right now can be your four best players in theory on a championship team in four, for three, four years from now. I think that's the same goes for the Raptors with Scotty Barnes, assuming his trajectory continues upward. Uh, you know, Pascal Siakam's a two-time All-NBA player. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Fred Van Vliet's an All-Star. OG Ananobi's awesome. Precious Achua's hitting pull-up threes and like doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the preseason. Like there's a pathway for the Raptors with their current core to win a title as well. I think the same goes for the Wolves. As much as maybe there's this perceived ceiling on them, you're good enough and relevant enough for as many years as the Wolves seem to be in line to do that. They just might break through it one year and get into a finals, much like the Raptors did in 2019, just as, as a result of being there a lot. Yeah, they got Kawhi Leonard too, but like they were very sure good help. for a long time. It <laughs> really did. And then the Pelicans, I think the Pelicans are my pick. If any of these teams is going to win the title this year, I think it's the Pelicans, man. Oh, like, like, Sean, this year. But I don't think any of these teams are winning the title this year. But if there is one, I think it's New Orleans because, I, like, how are you going to stop them from scoring ever? And if they're even, like, sort of reasonable defensively, I don't really know how you handle this team with CJ McCollum. Herb Jones is an obvious monster. Zion is, like, unguardable. Like this team could really surprise and they have the top end talent to me and all the pieces on the roster. I forgot Brandon Ingram and everyone else too. Like and Jonas Valanciunas, who's a say, solid my boy. Player. No Valanciunas love from the Raptors yes. guy. <laughs> but like they have the stuff on hand this season. If things break really, really right for them to win a title like now because of how ridiculous Zion is. That's the key with a lot of this, right? If it's what you said, if things break really, really well for them. So mm-hmm. when I look at all of these teams here, the Golden State Warriors are still in the Western Conference. And as long as they're there, I think that holds back teams like the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Wolves. Ben's nodding along with me on this. That look, I, I don't see any of those three teams beating the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. And so I think that gives the two East teams here and the Raptors yeah. and the Cavs an easier path to the title. And I think you've also got to factor in think something like that, that it's just going to maybe be easier to get out of the East than the West as much as I would love a title here. The parade, the party we would throw in New Orleans would be so much fun. But uh, it's just because of the Warriors and some of those other teams, I'm not as high on the Suns as say others are, but Denver's still, I think a bit of a sleeping giant getting a guy like Jamal Murray back. You know, I think that that is going to hold these Western conference teams back from like truly rising up because yeah, no, they're not going to beat those two. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was going to say. I was going to I was going to say the Cavs were were my pick if I had to pick one. Um, And I think um, I think it's mostly because I look at like Anthony Edwards, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, all kind of in a similar realm in terms of what their ceiling is. And so those, you know, those guys could all be like like, you know, top five player in the next few years. And I think that's completely reasonable. And so the, the thing that would set 
the Wolves apart from those two in a bad way is that they're in the West. And I know the East has improved, but to Jake's point, like, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about Golden State or Denver. They're obviously in a different group of, of this conversation, but like those teams in the West are a little scarier and have kind of been there, done that more than the theoretical, you know, Sixers in the East, um, you know, Nets, you know, all these teams that like theoretically should be better, but they haven't done it like the Warriors and even like the Nuggets um, and Phoenix actually too, if, if you want to throw them in too. So I think the West is still better. Um, and that would, if we had to pick one of the teams in this group, I think you have to give the edge to the East. Which I, it seems like we have kind of a theme here. It seems like on each of these teams, one player over the next three or four years has to just completely either take another step forward, break out like one of those things. It seems like it's Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves, Scotty Barnes for the Raptors. It's Evan Mobley for the Cavs, uh, for the Grizzlies. It's probably either Desmond Bain or uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. taking another step, or even like one of their wings that we mentioned, Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, like Roddy, like some of these wings that they just added. Maybe they just need some extra depth instead of another like star player. Uh, Jake, who do you think it is for the Pelicans? It's, you know, I don't want to point to Zion BI or CJ, right? Because they're at that level. I think it could be Herb Jones. He, he should have been on the all defensive team if he takes some steps forward offensively. He was a better shooter than we gave him credit for. I think that could be big. I think the other player might be their other rookie from last year, Trey Murphy, the third, this is a guy who's going to be shooting lights out from three shot over 40% from three in the postseason against the Phoenix suns. He grew an inch. I got to interview him on locked on Pelicans. I looked taller than him on that shot, <laughs> but he's now like <laughs> six, 10 and a half. He grew. So this is a guy that could conceivably maybe play small ball five for them, mm. I think. And if you get him and you have your own version of kind of the death lineup, like the Golden State Warriors, that's small and shooty. I think that's something that could really op- like blow the doors open for New Orleans. So I think it could be a guy like Trey Murphy, the third, second year player for the Pels. It's probably more so with uh, Fred Van Vliet on it. You're always taller than someone. Under the <laughs> <laughs> That's why I loved covering JJ Barea for forever. I was like, I can see the top of an NBA player's head. Like you gotta. Love I'm that. taller than uh, Jose Alvarado. I'm six one. I can hold my own here. <laughs> Just want to throw that into our show. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to jump in. I think it's the Cavs too because. Oh. They're a looming team to just bring back LeBron at a certain point and then just to take a make a run at that point, Evan. Right? LeBron's right? Are we, extended, baby. Are we still holding on to that? Or? string of the Lakers. Yeah. LeBron and Bronny to win a title for the Cavs in 2025? Like, I'm here for it. I mean, like I'd, be, I'd be here for player. it, too. But, like, Cleveland charge tickets to watch Bronny James play will be through the roof expensive at that point, too. So Cleveland charge. But... <laughs> I, I, I agree with the Cavs situation. Like I, I firmly believe Evan Mobley is going to be the guy. I think Darius Garland has another gear to unlock Jared Allen, even though he does have a pretty well-rounded game. I still think has a little bit left to showcase what he has in his, uh, just his bag in general. And Donovan Mitchell's Donovan freaking Mitchell. Like he is again, the most seasoned veteran of this young core, but is going to grow alongside them. It's just the Cavs over abundant lack of depth on the perimeter. And my, my co-host Chris Manning and I talked about this. They have a lot of flawed players that currently just kind of fit that spot on the wing that just, it's just a glaring need though, that if the Cavs were able to go make a trade to go get like a guy like boss man to go kind of round out this rotation, they would, it would make a lot more <laughs> sense for this team. But for now, just with so much just questions on what you have on the perimeter of Cleveland and how defensively Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell mesh, it's just right now, how can Evan Mobley and Jared Allen shoulder that responsibility when they have defenses just funneling in at the rim constantly? Yes, they were a top five defense, especially in terms of the paint last year, but I think there is going to be a bit of a step back just because 
Sure, Larry Markkinen wasn't the best defender, but he at least was big enough to kind of frustrate people on the perimeter at times. Sean, what's the Raptors' path to a title in the next five years or so? I mean, it's that Scotty Barnes becomes a top 10 to 15-ish player, and they kind of keep the rest of the core around him. They kind of have in place, you know, I use the Mavericks, actually, Nick, your, your, your boys, as kind of an example of what a lot of teams, like, it's what the Raptors did not end up becoming, which is you get a star. The Pelicans did this, too, with Anthony Davis. Like, you get a star, and then it's like, well, what the hell is the supporting cast here? <laughs> Whereas with the Raptors, like, they have a ready-made supporting cast for a superstar on hand right now. And if Scotty Barnes takes a leap as soon as this year, next year, whatever it's going to be, they have a perfect ready-made championship tested supporting cast to surround their burgeoning star with. So I, I don't think it's all that crazy to think that as early as maybe even next season, the Raptors are kind of on the fringes of the title conversation mm. because they have that roster. And not to mention like kind of the big thing with this whole, who's going to win the title next year is a lot of these teams have already used all their bullets when it comes to trades, right? The, the Wolves have done the Gobert thing. They're not making any more big moves. The Cavs have done the Mitchell thing. And yeah, they have a couple things left on hand, but they gave up all those picks. The Pelicans have a bazillion picks. That's certainly interesting. I was, I, that's why I just yeah. raised my finger to be like, I want to jump in with that too. There Don't you forget go. Yeah. about, you know, the future picks and other moves that you can make to add around some of these teams, you know, or at least the Pelicans, I guess. <laughs> in, in this too. sense, yeah. yeah. And the Raptors yeah. have mm-hmm. some, have a bunch of stuff too. So I think those are important things to think about, you know, that you might not cash that in this year. Year, but it might really come into play in the future too. Yeah, if Kevin Durant is asking for a trade by the deadline, the Raptors could very well be the next team to win the title of this group because they got Kevin Durant, baby. Like, <laughs> like there, there, there's um, lots of pathways there, sort of beyond just the internal growth thing for Toronto. And I think Memphis and New Orleans fall into that bucket as well with all the different things they have on hand. Whereas I'm a little more skeptical, but skeptical about the Cavs and Wolves' ability to add to what they have, not to take away from them being very good teams, but. I think they're going to be a lot more reliant on that internal growth from an Edwards or from a, a Mobley and an Allen or a Garland to really kind of take them to that next sphere, the, the contender tier, which is the hardest place to occupy. Ben, what's the path for the Timberwolves? Because we've talked a lot about Rudy Gobert and bringing him in with Carl Anthony Towns, with Anthony Edwards, the stars there. But this Timberwolves team is deeper than we remember, too. They gave up some players in the Rudy Gobert trade, but they added some guys this offseason, too. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Anderson's a perfect fit. For, for this team. Um, I mean, he's going to be essentially the backup for he that's basically what we did in Memphis last year. And uh, he could be kind of that Swiss army knife guard, multiple positions. And he's the absolute perfect fit um, in, in really every way for this roster. Uh, you know, a nice two year deal. He'll be around for a couple of seasons. I think Jalen Noel is a name that a lot of people nationally aren't aware of. Maybe they saw him. He played a couple of good games in the playoffs last year, but he's going to be, I think he, I, I, talked to my show a few weeks ago. I I think he ends up getting some votes. I I didn't say he'd win the award, but some votes for six man of the year. He's um, really, really a true three level scorer. He's like the way he plays is kind of a mix between D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and where he could score at all three levels. He's, he's, you know, he's bigger than D'Lo. He's not quite the passer. He's obviously not as athletic as Anthony Edwards, but he's a better shooter. Um, So I think he's going to turn some heads this year. I, I think the biggest thing though, is we already identified it. It's it's ant growing and becoming if he takes that, if you look at his first two years in the league and John Morant's been in the league one year longer, if you look at each of their first two seasons, they both kind of were hyped a little bit greater than their actual on-court impact. If you look a, little, a bit deeper at the advanced metrics and things like that, both of them had some defensive struggles early, um, you know, weren't as efficient their second year. And then the jumper kind of continued to grow. And for ant, if he makes a jaw like jump, what jaw did last year, he's already 
I mean, it's it's easy to beat up on the Grizzlies guys because they're not here, but he's a far <laughs> better defender than John Brandt already. Like he's actually a plus on ball defender. If he can shore up the off ball defense, continue to improve offensively. I mean, and if he makes a jump like John did last year, we're talking about a top 10 player really quickly. And now you've got that with two other top 20 players the, the Wolves were the only team um, for. And, you know, we can, you know, uh, I guess. Uh, tisk tisk this list or whatever phrase you want to use this list, but the ESPN top uh, 100 players, they were the only team with three players in the top 25 and it was Rudy cat and ant. Um, I don't know that ants really a top 25 player yet, but he's not all that far off. So if that happens, I mean, there's a legit big three and that doesn't even include D'Angelo Russell in a contract year. The last time he had a contract year, he made the all-star team in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> and so for what, you know, whatever he's able to provide in my mind is really gravy. As long as, as long as, you know, everybody plays nice, like we talked about earlier, then I think there's a really high ceiling for this team. I've heard that it. Nets team was on the rise. It was on this round table. Uh, <laughs> with Jared, with Jared oh, Allen yeah. and Spencer Dinwiddie and, yeah. and we're all oh, D'Angelo Russell who are times. all on different teams now. <laughs> uh, I've heard Anthony Edwards is going to make the all defensive team, by the way. Sources say he's yeah, he uh, you know, I, I'm almost 100 percent sure Malik Beasley said the same thing two years ago. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. But no, and he's now he, he's now I, defending his house from from moose like outside in Utah. Yes. <laughs> um, there is a uh, I do think there's this weird narrative, maybe because he was bad defensively as a rookie, but it was really good defensively last year. And, and I don't think people realize that. So um, given obviously his size, physical tools, he's like six, six now. I think he's still listed at six, four, but he's huge. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he's like a, a legit two way player. And he can throw a bomb spiral down the football field, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I, that, get, that gives me something. There you go. That's the teams that are on the rise, we think, in the NBA. Who will win the title first? Let us know. Go to our YouTube channels. Go to our podcast. We cover our teams five days a week. Nobody knows these teams better than these guys right here. Guys, continue listening to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. Coming up next, it's nothing but bet our betting segment to get you ready to rake in some cash this NBA season. Your boy Q of the Locked On Bets podcast will join us to break it all down. Continuing on the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey. Locked on Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports wagering needs. Hosted by Lee Sterling and your boy Q every Monday through Friday. We're joined by your boy Q right now from the Locked on Bets podcast for nothing but bet. We're talking about these teams on the rise. The teams that have either added a player like Gobert, Mitchell, Zion's coming back, or they're just these young teams like Memphis or Toronto that are on the rise, like they are a couple steps away from championship contention or from just a really good playoff run. Let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies because they were the second best team in the NBA last year, record-wise. Yes. 56 wins. They're over-under. Their win total this year is 49 and a half. Okay. That's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't mind the 49 and a half. I mean, obviously it's lower than what they did a uh, season ago, as you mentioned, 56 wins, but I think that this team, you want to talk about a team on the rise. I think this is the most dangerous team that is on the rise. And, and mm. why I say that is obviously we know the star power of John Moran, but I like Desmond Bain. I like, you know, I like some of the players that they have there, but to me, they feel like, and I said this at the beginning of the show as a, I'm a warrior fan. They feel very warrior like. When the Warriors were on the come up, when they were, you could see, hey, this team is pretty good. This team has a little something-something. And I remember they lose, the, the Warriors had lost to the Clippers in the in the playoffs. But you could tell, yeah. you know what, that's going to be a, a dirty, nasty team to have to deal with. And, and I mean that in the most respectful way, of course. But, and they were. And they ended up going on to win the championships that they won. I think Memphis is very similar 
And, and I remember the Warriors playing the, the Grizzlies last season. And I thought that that was out of all the series. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any other team that the Warriors had to play. That was the one that I was the most concerned about because I felt like a team that could match up very well against them because they they're they're just grinders. They're just blue collar cats. They're just, you know, go out there and get it done. Memphis, to me, is the team that watch out for. I would not be shocked if all of a sudden the next few years you're talking about a championship that's in Memphis. I don't know if Jordan Poole would agree with your respectfully dirty and nasty comment about the Warriors as of right now. Jordan Poole ain't doing nothing dirty or nasty. Jordan Poole's still <laughs> trying to recover from Draymond. Uh, that 49 and a half, what, what, what goes into that like decision to, to put it there after they had such a good season last year? I, I just, I mean, I think it's attrition. I mean, I think you kind of look at it and there are some games that obviously the, the Grizzlies won that, you know, you looked up and really caught your attention. And I mean, it's, it's very hard to duplicate having a monster season like that. I mean, they were the two seed, right? And so, uh, you know, I figure that they're probably going to take a little bit of a step back as far as win total, but all you got to do is be, you know, one of the top three seeds in the, in the conference and then all bets are off. You have a great opportunity to go deep into the playoffs. So that's why I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. When you win 56 games a year, before, the year before, I feel like you're going to probably drop a few, you know, that you, that you won the season before. The sneaky thing for the Grizzlies this year is they were the best team in transition last year and they added the, like the take foul rule. They, so like right. last year there would be, you know, somebody would start a fast break and Luca did this a million times last year where somebody starts a fast break and Luca just grabs their arm real quick and then it's done. Like then yeah. you, then you get to set up your defense and maybe if you, you know, if you're not in the bonus then you don't shoot free throws or anything. Now you're going to shoot free throws in the ball. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different and that benefits the Grizzlies. So Maybe yep. that win total looks a little bit better since. And Jaws got to stay healthy, man. Jaws got to stay healthy. You know, as great of a, a star as he is, he's high flying. I mean, I, the only thing I get concerned about, and this is the thing I got concerned with Steph, was obviously Steph's ankles. I get concerned about John, his knees, just because the dude jumps yeah. out the gym. Right. I mean, so all that impact that he has, I just wonder how much wear and tear can he put on that body. But man, as far as just box office material, that is the dude. When uh, Derrick Rose was on his, like, his, the highest peak, landing yeah. mechanics was like this new phrase that got put into our vernacular. And I feel like I, we're going to start saying it with Jog and soon. I agree 100%. Just, landing mechanics. Yep, I agree. I love that. Yep. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they add Donovan Mitchell. Now, they now have this, like, four-headed monster of Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Yeah. Their win total is 47 and a half this year. Looking at that, does that seem high or low to you? Uh, I see it's about right. I mean, look, they had 44 wins a year ago, right? They were the ninth seed a, a year ago. So I think that adding Donovan Mitchell, I just want to see it come together. You know, a three-headed monster is tough. A four-headed monster is even even tougher, right? Yeah. I know everyone plays their role. Mitchell's obviously the alpha dog in that group, but uh, I just want to see it come together. I think there will probably be some growing pains early in the season. So, you know, that they might get off to a slower start, but I liked what I saw from Cleveland. And look, we haven't seen Cleveland be a good team since LeBron wasn't there. You know, every time he's not there, they're not good. They were a good team last year. You know, even though, like I said, a nine seed, they were, they were a good team. And so I think that they're going to continue to rise. I don't know how much Donovan Mitchell really wants to be there, uh, but he's there. So I mean, there's, there's, well, I think he was very excited. I think that he was jumping around. He, he, he posted that picture of him as a little kid with the LeBron Jersey on. So. I mean, he did, but again, I just, it's, it's Cleveland. I don't, I, I don't ever know how much someone wants to be in Cleveland. Right. I mean, that's just the reality. <laughs> Who was it that Yaki, uh, Joachim Noah that said it years ago, like, who wants to go to Cleveland, right? I mean, isn't that what he did? <laughs> but, I mean, hey, I think that Donovan Min uh, Mitchell's a hell of a player, so that's a great addition to that team. Yeah, they're doing this, like, zig while everybody else is zagging with these two one guards and these two seven-foot bigs. It's really going to be interesting to see how they figure that out. The other team that's doing uh, a little bit of a zig with a zag is the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm. Zion Williamson 
coming back. They got Brandon Ingram. They they added. They went ahead and made their trade and and brought in CJ McCollum. They've got some depth now in some of these pieces. These younger guys like Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado that have added to the team. Their win total is forty five now. Forty five is their win total. They won thirty six games last year. Why a nine game jump? Well, I, I'm assuming that they think Zion's going to be healthy all year. You know, I know that he says and they say that he's getting in good shape and he looks really good. But, I mean, how many times have we fallen for that banana tailpipe? And I hate that because I like Zion. Zion made me root for Duke. I'm not a Duke fan. <laughs> but when he was at Duke, Zion made me continue to hope that Duke won games because I wanted to keep seeing him play. Right? That's the kind of player he is. So I know that all the fans of New Orleans is like, man, that's a hell of a player. They just don't get to see him enough. And I'm just afraid that he's going to end up being a guy that, yeah, he's great when he's out there, but how often is he out there? So uh, they're assuming, that's why the number goes so high, they're assuming that Zion is in tip-top shape. He's not at a Wendy's drive through He's not on Bourbon Street. <laughs> he's in the gym. He's making it happen. Happen, and he's going to be good to go now we'll see if that ends up being the case but I like CJ McCollum you know I liked him and Dane when they were together but I think CJ brings a nice set of a little bit of calm to the uh, a pretty much in my opinion young Pelicans team Brandon Ingram has really come into his own you know when he was with the Lakers I thought oh man that was a wasted pick but he's actually he's a, he's a damn good <laughs> player you know he brings he brings some good stuff to the table so I think that the the nucleus of that team is there but the, the key is, can Zion stay healthy and be there all season? I'm interested to see them. They don't really have a point guard. They they drafted Kyra Lewis Jr. a couple years ago. They brought in Devontae Graham, like, from the, the, you know, the Hornets a couple years ago to try it, you know, I think it was before last season. They don't really have, like, a main point guard. They're going to start CJ. They're going to start Zion. They're going to start Ingram. And all three of those guys have thrived at different points in their career playing point guards. They're kind of just like, all right, one of you three guys can run the offense at any certain right. point. And I wonder if that ends up being a good thing in the long run for the regular season or if that just ends up being like all right now we just don't know who to go to at the end of games like who's our guy who's the one that you know takes over and some of those some of these clutch games where you where the difference between a 40 wins or a 44 win season and a 46 win season i'm interested to see how that plays out you know i think that cj ends up being the ultimate he's the ultimate point guard for this team um, and I think that Zion and Brandon are the guys that you go to in the clutch of the game, but it depends on what the situation is, right? I think Zion, if he has an opportunity to get a head, a head full of steam and just go to the rim, that's Oof. cool. But Ingram in certain situations will probably end up being the guy. Like I, he has to be the dude, right? The guy who's going to get it outside, the guy who can get it inside, the guy that could just, you know, get up and down the floor really quickly. I end up thinking Brandon Ingram is going to be the guy, but you know, that dynamic again is going to, is going to be interesting to see how it all, all comes together. The Minnesota Timberwolves added Rudy Gobert. Yep. Now playing next to Carl Anthony Towns, another like twin tower duo with Anthony Edwards in the backcourt. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell still there. Their over-under is 48 and a half this season, which is, is pretty high, I think, but not much higher than that. They won 46 oh. games last right. year. Right. Their coach, Chris Finch, is number one in coach of the year odds, plus 500. What would he have to what would they have to do for him to win coach of the year and for them to get the over? First, someone's got to pick him out of a lineup and tell me that they can identify <laughs> Chris Finch and say that's him right there. So that's the first thing. But no, seriously, um, central you know, cast central casting is going to send you like like ten headshots. Right, exactly. No, I, I just think that uh, what Rudy Gobert brings to the table defensively is really going to help out the Timberwolves. Right. I mean, you have so much in the big cat, man. I, I really love the way he plays and knowing he could play inside, knowing he could play outside. Sometimes I think he's a little softer for the inside, but I mean, there's that. You know, whatever. He's a he's a hell of a player. Uh, so I like what he's able to bring to the table uh you know of course uh edwards is is a fun man a fun fun player to yeah. watch group for so i think that they have the 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 makeup 
of a team that can go ahead and overachieve. And, you know, again, they won, what, 46 last year, 48 and a half. I believe that's the number that you said they, that, that they are for this year. Yeah. I can see them as a 50-win team because of the defense, right? If Rudy Gobert goes in there and plays the defense that we all know he can, gets the rebounds that we all know he can, get those outlets, man, they can get go- off and going. You can get that outlet to Anthony Edwards. They, they end up could be a, a, a nice little, like, high-flying attack, man. Just go ahead and attack the rim, which is what something I could appreciate, especially when teams aren't knocking down their threes. Attack the rim, man. Go, go, go. That's what I say. They were a top 15, like, top 10 team, depending on which site you were checking, in defense last year. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like smoke and mirrors. Like, Chris Finch had this system where he was just like, all right, we're going to blitz guys and do this and throw yeah. guys all around and everything. And, like, they made it work. And now they have just, like, this a de- like, actual defender. <laughs> act, this the, Like, guarantee, like, David Locke, host of Locked on Jazz and, and our boss, calls it, he's like a guaranteed 50 wins is what Rudy Gobert is because of how good his defense is. So I'm going to, I'm going to take his word for it and I'm going to go over on this one. I'm and, uh, but I don't think Chris Finch can win coach of the year. I mean, what would they, have, what would he have to do? I, Again, you got to pick, pick him out of a lineup. First of all, hell, I, I could be Chris Finch. You could be Chris Finch. We all could be Chris Finch. <laughs> This sneak, this team is also like really like sneaky deep too. You don't really, as you start going through the roster and start picking out guys you're like, Oh, that guy, that guy, they added Kyle Anderson. They kept Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. You can go check out more bets takes from locked on bets every Monday through Friday with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. We will continue on the ultimate pro basketball preview 2022. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget, this is a six-episode series that will continue through October 17th, discussing every NBA team with experts that know them best. If you missed our contenders group of teams or the Revenge Tour teams, make sure to go back and get the answers to your biggest questions going into the 2022 season. Tomorrow, we'll visit with some of the teams that have big names and maybe even bigger questions. The Lakers. Tons of questions around LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Atlanta Hawks, they add DeJounte Murray. What can he do with Trey Young? The Chicago Bulls going back and running it back with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. The New York Knicks adding Jalen Brunson. What does that do to their team? And Trista Crick's team, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Once again, I'm Nick Engstead. And until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey and to you for listening or watching. Find the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.